Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, it's good to be in Baltimore. Hallelujah. Praise God. Way too long. Amen. Amen. I apologize that I am solo, but my wife's battling a headache, and so she's home trying to get better, but so good to be here. I give honor to Brother and Sister Simpson today. Amen. Love and appreciate them very much. Great privilege of mine to be fellow team members with them. And to all the leadership here and the great team here, I honor you for all that you do and who you are. Amen. Praise God. Job chapter 37. Job chapter 37. We're going to start with verse 21. Job 37 and 21 says, And now men see not the bright light which is in the clouds, but the wind passeth and cleanseth them. Fair weather cometh out of the north, With God is terrible majesty. With God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find Him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him, he respecteth not any that are wise of heart. The Living Bible says it like this, For as we cannot look at the sun for its brightness, when the winds have cleared away the clouds, neither can we gaze at the terrible majesty of God breaking forth upon us from heaven, clothed in a dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty, and yet He is so just and merciful that He does not destroy us. No wonder men everywhere fear Him, for He is not impressed by the world's wisest men. Draw your attention to those two words, terrible majesty. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, pause and tremble. Pause and tremble. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for the privilege you've given us today to be in your presence. We pray, God, that you would continue ministering in this service as you have already done. And that now you would minister through your word, that your spirit would speak to the hearts and the lives of the individuals that are in this place today, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, not that we would hear a sermon this morning, but we would hear a message, a word that would come from you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I trust you and depend on you today, Lord. I trust you for your anointing. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I see a lot of faces that I don't ever remember seeing before. And that is a wonderful thing. That's an awesome thing. And then I see a lot of familiar faces that I know fairly well. And that's a wonderful thing too. Those of you that know me fairly well and have been around Antioch very long, you're well aware that I get inspiration for what I preach in all kind of different places from all kind of different things. And this is another one of those messages. My wife and I had the unique opportunity a week ago, a week and a half ago, to attend the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., it is an annual event that takes place. It's taken place for decades now. And uh, we had a chance to be a part of it, and it's actually more than just a breakfast. It's a couple-of-day event. But as a part of the actual prayer breakfast that takes place or took place on Thursday morning a little over a week ago, the keynote speaker was a man by the name of Gary Haugen, and he is the CEO of the International Justice Mission. And their primary purpose, their primary mission is helping to see people delivered from slavery. Even in 2019, slavery is a multi-billion dollar industry in our world. That would include sex trafficking and other things like that. Slavery is still very much alive in the world. And the mission, their mission as, a, as an organization is to work to see people and nations and groups of people set free from slavery. And in the midst of his speech, he communicated that every day, every single day for 30 minutes, the entire international justice mission, IJM, pauses for 30 minutes of silence to reflect on the greatness and the majesty and the splendor of God. And he made the statement that we need to pause and tremble. In in 2019, really it's been going on for a while, but there is this and, and, and stay with me till we get to the end, okay? Stay with me till the end of the message. But in 2019, we've kind of got this BFF perspective of God. And we have worked so hard to make Him so personable and relatable that we have forgotten His terrible majesty. We spend so much time about making him this, you know, this personal God that interacts with us and, 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 and he's, we can have an intimate relationship and, and he knows I was, I was listening to a video as I was driving up here this morning. Notice what I said. I was listening to a video. I won't tell you that that video was on Facebook and that's where I found that video. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and, 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 and the guy on there, God is, God is, God got a sense of humor and God is just down there. He's relatable. And on one hand, he is. 
But we have come to focus so much on that side of God that we have forgotten another side that there is terrible majesty to God. Now I'm gonna, in just a minute, I'm gonna give you the definition of this word terrible and, and, and it's not quite exactly in the sense that we use it today because today if you say something is terrible, that's terrible, terrible. It's, it's, it's bad. It's not any good. When something's really terrible, it's really bad. But that's, it's not necessarily that, that's not necessarily the meaning here. We, we also, you know, I, I don't know, it may have been, it may have been before me, but I know we were one of the first generations of young people to embrace that when something was really, really good, man, that's bad. Car would drive by when I was with a group of friends as a teenager and all, we'd all, that's a bad car right there. So, terrible is not bad necessarily, but it is terrible. You see, here, here, here's the problem. Here's something you don't hear much about in 2019 in the world of Christianity. But the psalmist says in Psalms 111 and verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. We have lost sight of the need of the fear of the Lord. I know most of you know this, but just to be clear, fear not in the sense of terror and being scared. You, you're laying in your bed at night and you hear a strange sound and fear, not, not that kind of fear, but respect and awe and reverence, the kind of fear some of us had when we were kids and our dad gave us that look. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to say anything. He just looked at us and you knew I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. And that look tells me I better straighten up right now. We've got God being such a personable God and so relatable that we have lost the significance of the fear of the Lord. And the psalmist said the very beginning of wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Psalm 66 and, or excuse me, Proverbs. We find several times throughout Proverbs the wise man had a grasp, an understanding of the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 1 and 7 he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. <laughs> Kindergarten is not the beginning of knowledge. University is not the beginning of knowledge. Because most university starts at the wrong place with its knowledge. Because if you don't start with the source of your knowledge from right here, whatever your knowledge is built upon is fallible. It is not infallible. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning point of all knowledge. Psalms 9, or excuse me, Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Verse Chapter 10 verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. You want to live long, it's not going to be found in a vitamin bottle. You want to live long, it's not going to be found in, in what health 
options and alternatives there are should you take care of your bodies absolutely but long life comes from a reverence and a respect for the God of creation Proverbs 14 26 says in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence 1427 says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. When Job's talking about the terrible majesty of God, it's because Job has got a foundation in the significance of the fear, the reverence, the respect, the awe of God. I'm going to give you some verses that also use this word terrible, but let me give you the Hebrew definition of this word. The word terrible means to to fear or to revere. It means to stand in awe of, to be awed. It means to show reverence. It means to cause astonishment and awe. The more relatable I become to you, the less you are in awe of me. The more common my friendship becomes with you, the less you are in awe of me. I don't, I, I don't understand. This is, this is what, Brother Simpson, this is how, this is how my dad, this is my dad in my mind, but I, I'm starting to get a glimpse in certain situations when I come around, people get all tense and tight. My kids don't get tense and tight. They're relaxed. They're not in awe of me. Now they love me and respect me and all that, but it's, it's, the more familiar we become, the more common something becomes, the, the less in awe of it we become, the more common we treat it. And every now and then we need to pause for a moment and tremble at the terrible majesty of this God that, yeah, He was kind enough to enter into a relationship with me, but He's also way bigger than that. Deuteronomy 7 and 21, Thou shalt not be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. You know why we live in so much fear in our lives? Because we've lost sight of a terrible God. <laughs> he was telling Moses, when you get into the promised land, don't be, don't be worried about the enemies there. Don't be worried about the giants you're going to face there. I'm a terrible God. There's not one thing you're going to face in that promised land that I can't take care of. As long as you every now and then step back and look and realize I'm a really big God. Psalm 68, 34. Ascribe ye strength unto God. His excellency is over Israel and His strength is in the clouds. Oh God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is He that giveth strength and power unto His people. Blessed be God. You know what Pastor Simpson was talking about for a few moments there? That's a part of worship. Because when you really step into worship, there's something that usually kind of settles on you a little bit different than when you're just praising. There's something that comes on you a little bit different than when you're just caught up in all of the actions and the atmosphere of praise. Something, something settles on you and you realize that I don't belong here. 
I'm not in this place of the presence of God because of my resume and what I've done and what I've done to deserve it. But the only reason that I'm here is because He is a gracious and a merciful God. And I don't ever want to forget that. Psalm 145 and verse 5, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of thy might, of thy terrible acts. And I will declare thy greatness. Psalm 66 and 1, make a joyful noise unto God all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, how terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. Job said it was terrible majesty. The word majesty means magnificence. It is ornament or splendor. It is beauty. It's comeliness. It's excellency. It's glorious. You're not, you don't just have majesty, God. You got some terrible majesty. Yeah, you, you, you are majestic, God, but there's, there's a degree to your majesty unlike any others. Psalm 47 and 1, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. I, that was out of place, my apologies. Psalm 29 and 1, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. I got to thinking about something this week. You and I are the only thing I know of in all of creation that has the right and the ability to make a choice with regards to the course of our lives. You and I better be really glad that the sun never gets in conflict with God. We better be glad that the moon never decides to get rebellious toward God. We better be real thankful that every single morning the sun knows this is what I was created for. This is what I was created to do. Our problem is we were created for something, but then we were given this distinct right to be able to choose, and that's given us some kind of an ego that's way bigger than what we ever should have had. Oh, God, I I have no idea when I'll get to be back here and preach again, and I'd much rather preach one of them messages that y'all hang from the lights on. Oh, Lord. The waters hear the voice of God. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. I I am so thankful for that still small voice. 
I am so thankful for those times when I am in need of something from the Lord and that still small voice is there. But every now and then I need to be reacquainted with that voice that can shape the cedars in Lebanon that can that can cause the waters of the ocean to come to attention. Not just that still small voice. Oh, hallelujah. Psalms 93 and 1. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength wherewith He hath girded Himself. The world also is Established that it cannot be moved. Psalm 96 and 5. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Isaiah says it like this in chapter 2 verse 10. Enter in to the rock. And hide thee in the dust. For fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty. The glory of His awesome splendor. (laughs) Take note of it. Pause every now and then and don't get so caught up in that personal intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't want to cross anybody here this morning, but... Man, they're, 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 it's just it's such a part of Christian lingo today. And they make it all about, let me finish, let me finish, please. Otherwise, I'm going to sound like I'm being sacrilegious here. They make it all about Jesus. Now, we make it all about Jesus. But they make it all about Jesus in, in context of the second person of the Trinity. Because I, if I can just keep Him in the flesh... If I can just have my, my, my first and foremost focus of him is Jesus in the flesh. That, that's, that's, man, he was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him with his stripes. He's healed. That, well, that's awesome. But I'm in a group of people today that know that Jesus was not simply the second person of the Trinity, but Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And while I am very thankful that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh, I don't want to forget the fact that before He ever came in the flesh, He was already the God that said, let there be light, and there was light. He was the God that simply by speaking it, Brought all of creation into existence. Oh, hallelujah. I, 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 know, I know it seems more and more these days this is becoming a minority. But I, I, I don't know about you, I love coming to church. I love coming together with the people of God. I I love getting in the presence of God. I love worshiping God. I love hearing the Word of God preached or taught. It's one of the most important things and one of the most enjoyable things in my life. And I've been in some church services where, man, I, I thought, boy, we... I know Bishop says church is not a verb. I know that, okay? But, man, we boy, we had some church today. Woo! Man, we had some church. And how is that usually defined? When do we usually say that? We usually say that 
when the person who hasn't danced in five years, God moves so much that even they danced. <laughs> we, we've got all these really, forgive me for saying it this way, but we've got these really frivolous ways. Boy, we, man, God did something today. What, let, let me show you when God does something. I've never quite experienced it quite this way. Second Chronicles 5 and verse 13. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments for music and praised the Lord saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. This was, this was the dedication of the temple that Solomon had built. The house was filled with a cloud. And then look at the next verse. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Now I've been in plenty of services. And I expect to be in more in the future. Where there's such a move of God. And ministry breaks out. That the preaching never happens. I expect those. We've had them and I expect them. But I, that's not what this is talking about. This isn't talking about. Boy there was such a move of God. The preacher never got to preach. No, this is talking about there was such a manifestation of the presence of God. It wasn't that ministry just broke out and the preacher pre- didn't preach or worship broke out and we never got to preaching. It's that it, it moved in in such a way that there was a hush. There was a stillness. There was a pause that came upon everybody that realized there is something that has moved into this place. In the greatest times of services or gatherings I've ever been in, I've never one time been in one where I saw every single person in the house in that condition. And part of it is because you know what? If you know, hey, I can come. I, I nobody forced you to come today, unless you're a person living at home. Maybe your parents did force you. But all of you, adu- no, no adults forced. Nobody forced you to get here. Come here today came of your own will you, you may not have come necessarily because you wanted to somebody may have been pressuring you to come so you finally came but the bottom line is you came out of your own will you had the right to choose you got the right to, to go you have that right but our problem is we've we've become so familiar with jesus And Jesus loves me so much that He don't really care if I come and go and never even acknowledge Him. Because He's he's so gracious and merciful. And He is! Look at this one. Isaiah 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. I didn't sit, you know, I, I've, I've done it before. Some, uh, you, you, I don't know, maybe somebody here's done it. I've, I've done it. I've seen plenty of others. You know, you get, you get two chairs and you sit them face to face. And, and you sit in one chair and you, you're telling people, now this is what prayer is. 
Prayer is just two friends sitting and talking. And that's a part of prayer. That's that, that video I referenced, I was watching, that was the guy who was talking about prayer. That was part of what he was talking about. It's just friends. And, and it is. But every now and then I need to remember who this friend is. <laughs> this, this, doesn't, this isn't just one of my buddies here. This isn't just one of the fellas that I'm hanging out with here. This is, this is the God of glory. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. I, I, didn't sit him, I didn't see Him sitting in a chair beside me. I saw Him sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. Now watch what the angels did. Watch what the angels did. Those who have never sinned. Those who are not like you and I that were formed from the dust of the earth. And watch, watch what they did. I, and, and stood above its seraphims. And each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. That means he took two of those wings. And he covered his face. And he took... Two of them and he covered his feet. And then with the other ones he was flying. Why was he cov- Why were those angels covering their eyes, their face? Because they had an understanding of the terrible majesty of God. They had a reverence and a respect for the presence of God. That even though they had never sinned. Even though they weren't like you and I in flesh and, 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 and sinful. There was still a recognition of the awesomeness and the greatness of God. To the point that they showed Him reverence by covering of their eyes and their feet. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now watch, now watch. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Oh, God, I'd like to experience that one time, one time, one time where there was such a manifestation of the presence and the power of God that literally you could sense, not figuratively, but literally you could feel the building tremble. This wasn't figurative. This wasn't symbolic. He was saying, I literally felt the post shaking at the manifestation of the presence of God. And then watch, and then watch. Now this was a man, this was a human being speaking, but watch, he was, he was a prophet. He wasn't just, no offense, he wasn't just any old man. He was a prophet of God who walked with God, who God spoke through, gave us some of the greatest promises of the Messiah, that, of all of Scripture. And look at his reaction. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
I do it all the time. I do it all the time when I'm ministering and leading a service. Man, I, I, I do it all the time. You came in today, if you're struggling, if you're struggling with sin in your life, Jesus loves you and He accepts you and He, he wants to wash you and cleanse you and forgive you. And He does, He does, He does. We spend so much time making everybody comfortable that they never end up having the same experience that the prophet had. Because the prophet's response was, well, it's so nice to be in the presence of such a loving and passionate, compassionate God. This is so wonderful. Let me just soak it in. This, this, there's nothing in Scripture about what I'm about to say, okay? This, this, is, this is David S. Wright. This is, this is, this is me. It's kind of interesting to me. You know, all my life, when you lifted your hands in church, as simple as this is, when you lifted in your hands in church, it was usually something like this. Or maybe somewhere here. But you know what? There's, there's this new position now. That's become kind of commonplace. And that is, that's most people lift their hands like this. What's that look like? Anybody think of what that looks like? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a there's something, little physical thing that that looks like. Anybody ever put oil in your car? Yeah. Pour it in. Here I am. Of course, some the attitude is, <clears throat> you're blessed that I'm here today. So since I gave you my time today, what you gonna give me? Again, I said, there's nothing, I can't show you any place in the Bible that I know of that says when you lift your hand, palms should be out. And I'm not saying there's anything sinful about lifting your hand, but get my point. Every now and then that we need to have such an encounter with God. I think part of the reason for so long we did it this way, Pastor Simpson, the reason we did it this way, is because from here, <laughs> I, he didn't get down on the floor like that. Oh, I know I'm being really elementary and simple right now. But the only ones that are arguing with me in your spirit about it are the ones that all you've been doing today, physically or figuratively, is. And then when you get up and leave and he never poured in, you're going to go from here to here. Well, I came. I graced him with my... Oh! I've never one time graced him with my presence. Because as Isaiah said, woe is me because I am undone and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And so I want to go from here to here in acknowledgement of who you are and what you are. Oh, Jesus. I'm not preaching against this morning God being a personal. I'm not preaching that at all because He is. 
But I am preaching that somehow every now and then we need to take a pause and realize there's something way bigger than this kind, loving, merciful God that I'm in a relationship. He's got some terrible majesty that I cannot comprehend. Sat in that prayer breakfast and at the conclusion of it, we're... Some of the highest public officials in our nation were in that room and the president was the last one to speak. And when he finished, the guy that was the MC of the, of the of, or two guys were MCs, but one of them was, had been the MC got up and said, now, there wasn't no asking. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't, a, it wasn't just a recommendation. He said, now, as you remain seated, While the president exits the room and the building, we're going to be showing you a video. It wasn't, now listen, if you don't mind, remain seated until we clear the president. It wasn't wasn't that. It was, while you remain seated. I don't know about anybody else in that room. But I'm telling you what I did. I remained seated. And I gave absolutely no indication that I was going to do anything else. Because I had spotted throughout the morning several guys. Not one of them with a smiling, beautiful face. Basically every one of them was some kind of a scowl. That was, I don't know what it was telling everybody else, but it was telling me, you better behave. And, and you don't even have to do anything wrong. I just need to get the indication you're starting. In fact, I just need to get the idea you're thinking about it. Now, believe me, the president is nowhere near the God of the universe. But what's really sad is we will do that for a human being. There was a thousand plus people in that room that sat and did not move. I'm not trying to make you mad this morning, but we can't even get a hundred people at one time to all join together and exalting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why? Because we don't pause every now and then and think about the terrible majesty of God. You get what Job was saying in those verses? Anybody ever? Most of us adults don't do this anymore. We learned our lesson. Every now and then we still try, but usually not. It's more so a childish thing where you look up, how long can I stare into the sun? You do that for seconds at the very, very... When it's one of those days where the clouds have been blown away and it's a clear blue sky and that sun, especially in the middle of a summertime day, you, whoa, man, and try it again. No, you can't. All you can do is take a momentary glimpse. As bright as the sun 
that I can't look at and stare at for any length of time. Job was saying, that's the majesty and the splendor and the greatness of our God. If you can sit and stare at God directly, I'm sorry, you haven't really seen Him yet. Because when you really see Him, it causes you to realize you're so big, I can't comprehend you. There's nothing wrong with our praise. There's nothing wrong with our dancing and our shouting. There's nothing wrong with running the aisles and our exuberant expression of our praise. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's not that be the only thing as was said here today. At least every now and then, let's step beyond that and recognize there's a really big God. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody here, but I'll speak for myself. I drove up here this morning. Takes about 30, 35 minutes to get here. And drove up here. I pull up here. I park out front. I get out of my car. I come walking in. I find my place to sit. Not one single moment this morning was there a point at which I had any bit of fear about coming into this place. On one thing, that's a, on one hand, that's a good thing. But does anybody know what it was like when the first person ever got to go where the Ark of the Covenant was and the presence of God was focalized? Do you know what that was like? It wasn't like you and I know it today. We come walking into church. We, we, we just come walking in like it's no big deal. Doesn't matter what I've done. Doesn't matter how I live. I'm going to church and I'm just walking in. That's not how they did it. priest went there one time a year and I guarantee you when he went there boy he wasn't God I'm on the way what's up God what's going on God how's it no 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 in fact they put they put things around his robe to make noise And the reason they put it around his robe to make noise is because if you're in there and it gets silent That's not good. That means you might have lost your life. But we now know what mercy and grace is. So we don't walk into church with reverence and awe. We think we've got a right to be here. And yes, we now have access. Everybody and anybody. But I wonder. I just wonder. That even though, and we know by what happened on the day Jesus died, when that veil was torn, when that veil was rent, you know what, what was happening was, it was to me, it was like God was busting out. I'm tired of being stuck in this room with only one person. That's not what I want. I want to be able to connect with everybody and anybody. I don't think it's any accident the way it all first started. 
I think there was something that was being demonstrated to us. That while eventually anybody and everybody may be able to come into my presence, there's an attitude of awe and reverence that you ought to have when you come and when you go. I I, I can't do it justice to really communicate in my words. I don't have the ability or the vocabulary to truly communicate to you about the terrible majesty of God. Anything I've done to this point is really just simply scratching the surface. surface. So watch, watch this as I, as I begin our final approach. The wheels are not quite ready to touch down on the runway, but the airport is in sight. Watch this. Uh, there's a verse I'm going to get to in this passage. I'm going to read to you Psalms 8. We're going to start with verse 1. There's a verse I'm going to get to in this passage. What a verse. What a verse. What a verse. I've preached it before. I've used it before. I've preached it. I've mentioned it in a service. I've, it's, it is so awesome. But in this last week since God gave me this message, I've realized the significance of this verse. You can never come close to grasping it unless you have some kind of a, a grasp or a reference of the terrible majesty of God. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. I, I, I've, I've, I've so taken this for granted. I've so taken. I don't know when I'll be back. So y'all give me a couple minutes. We are Okay, all right. Brother Simpson, I just always took this for granted that whether you had whether you've ever flown in an airplane or not, that you sort of knew this. And and if you don't know this, most preachers, when you go someplace else and preach, you usually preach something you've already preached. Most of what I if I travel and preach, usually what I preach, I've already preached at Antioch. It's not because they don't have anything else to preach. First of all, it's because it's what you feel to do. Second of all, I mean, if something's good enough to preach once, surely it's good enough or beyond that. And I, I, I was at Antioch West last Sunday morning, first, first time I'd been there since, since they went. And I use this analogy, and, and, and again, you get into an airplane, if you're going to go, you're going to take a flight, if you get into an airplane and and it's a gray, overcast, rainy day. Why, why is it? This is, this is a little quick. We're going to take the uh, with some roads, service road for a minute. And then we'll get back on the highway. Why is it we always categorize a rainy day as a bad day? You want to live where it never really rains? That, that's called the desert. Rain is not punishment from God. All right, we're back on the highway now. You get in that airplane and it's, I mean, it's one of those gray, dreary days. And you sit down, you buckle in and you, the plane goes down the runway and it takes off and you start to rise up and, and then you start to, you go through the clouds. And if you've never experienced it, I, if you've never flown and have no idea what flying is about, I guarantee you, if you have a heart that's beating, it will speed up because you get in those clouds and boy, it gets a little bumpy. But when you break through those clouds, 
what, what from here, looking up, is very dreary. When you break through them and look down, they are the purest white you have ever seen. I, I still I am I am forty seven years old. I know I don't look it. I know you can't believe that, but I am. I'm forty seven years old. I, I'm I'm not a I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm not the dumbest either. And as much as I know what I'm about to say is one of the stupidest things I could ever say, there are still times at my age when I fly and break through those clouds. The thought literally crosses my mind. I just want to just jump out. Just because, you know, it kind of looks like the most comfortable mattress that would just. Only problem is you just keep going. And I, 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 I actually had somebody come up to me last Sunday morning an adult that is several years older than me, in fact, probably 15, 20 years older than me, and said, I never knew. Oh, oh boy, it's about to be a good one. All right, hang on there. I never knew that the other side of the clouds were like that and that above the clouds it was clear blue sky. There's some people in here that all you've ever seen is dark gray clouds. You've yet to realize, boy, on the other side of this, I can just change my perspective. And when I change my perspective, it's a whole different look on the other side. How do you get there? The way you get there, I know that I know the purest context of what I'm about to say. So we don't need a theological explanation afterwards. I know it, but I think the principle applies. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw. And so the only way that you and I can lift him up today is our praise and our worship. And when we do that, he reaches to where we are and leads us. The psalmist said, when my heart is overwhelmed, when all I see is grace, God, lead me to the rock that is higher. I, I am coming. I am coming more and more to believe that one of the absolute biggest key components in our lives is simply our perspective. But our perspective is greatly influenced by our position. Go out here today and I don't remember what the skies are like, but we're fairly close to BWI, so it doesn't have to be totally clear, but you ever seen when an airplane is not, not one that's just trying to land, about to land, but when it's way up there, have you ever looked up at the sky and seen an airplane flying way up thousands of feet overhead? It looks like an ant. In fact, it, it looks smaller than an ant. Man, that's a, that's a tiny little airplane. That's so small, I could just reach up there and pick it out of the sky. 
Anybody ever flown before? And then look back down? Anybody remember, uh, the, I, I can't remember if it was my brother's time or my kid's time. I think it may have been more so my brother's. Micro machines? Anybody ever had micro machines? Little tiny cars. That's what, you, if, you're, if you're flying, you look down, they're, they're little tiny cars. Like, man, those are so cute. Oh, look at that. There's a cute little 18-wheeler. That's so sweet. But that same airplane that you look up to, go to BWI today. Now, don't do this without proper clearance and the authority. Walk out on to where those planes are parked. And the same plane... It was so small, way up in the sky. All of a sudden, it's tire. One tire is bigger than you. Same plane. Somebody hear me. Somebody hear me. Same plane that was up there that looked so small is the same one that now is so big. If you got a small God you're looking at today, don't tell anybody. Because if you tell us how small your God is, you're just telling us where you are in relation to your God. Because the smaller my God looks, the farther I am away from Him. But the bigger my God looks, that means I have drawn near to Him. Oh, I got to... I, I gotta, I gotta quit. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens. And look what he says the heavens are. The heavens are the work of your fingers. Just the work of your fingers. You guys have done all kind of work in this place. Brother Barnes, I, I got a feeling there's a few projects you did that you weren't doing it all by yourself. You needed other, you need manpower. You needed somebody to help hold something, help lift something up. And that's just inside this building. God goes, galaxies, Rocky Mountains. Stars, so many that you can't count. All that. All that was a finger. Please tell me what it is in your life today that's bigger than creation. And if with all of creation, God could do it with a finger, there's nothing you've got that God can't handle. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars which thou hast stored. Now watch, 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 watch. Oh, my, my. Watch, watch. He is giving a very brief glimpse and description, Brother Fox, of the terrible majesty of God. And it is in that context, this, this next verse is the one I was talking about that I used. But you really, I don't think you get the significance of this verse unless you at least get some of the previous. What is man? 
When I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, and I see everything you've done, what is man that you are mindful of him? But not just that you are mindful of him, that you would visit him. The Living Bible says it like this, I cannot understand how you can bother with mere puny man to pay any attention to him. Message Bible says, I looked at my micro self. I look at my micro self and wonder, why did you bother with us? And why did you take a second look? I'm gonna help, I'm gonna help the married men out. Get still, be still, freeze your face, don't move. Don't say I didn't warn you. Only people that can respond right now is the single guys. You married men can think about what I'm about to say, but you got all the reactions got to be up here. All right, all up here. All us old married men, I know we're old, and, but but you know there was a day we'd be hanging with the fellas. And out of the corner of our eyes, we would see a figure start to go by. And we, boy, look, ooh, see some, see some curves, and I see some hair. And you, you know, you kind of, you just, you guys are just kind of hanging and lumbering along and she's kind of you know 15 20 feet ahead and all of a sudden it's like pick up the pace because i i'm 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 seeing this part i need to and you come walking by and you go whoa I, I know, I know there's some fine folks in this place, and I, you may not be relate to this, but I, I just wonder. You, you, you looked, God. You didn't just look once. You took, you took another look at, at me. I know I don't know my own heart. I know there's part, but the stuff I do know. God have mercy the parts I don't know, Brother Brown, because the stuff I do know about me. When I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, when I get an idea of your terrible majesty, what am I? you would not only think about me but more than just think about me you know all that stuff I said in the beginning about that personal intimate relationship with God I told you in the beginning I wasn't saying it was wrong or not right 
But the significance of it. The real significance that I can, I can come down to this altar and, and stand or kneel or whatever, however you want to do it, but I, I can come down here broken and wounded and messed up. I can come down as a sinner and I can kneel at an old rugged cross and I can confess my sins and my failures and my mistakes. And there is a Father who is waiting with open arms. The awesomeness of that can only begin to be grasped when every now and then I just pause. My God, how great you are. That old hymn says it so well, as simple as it may be. Then sings my soul. My Savior God to Thee, how great, how great. I'm not a poet, I don't, I don't, I can't write poetry and I've got a limited vocabulary and maybe that's one reason why I love this so much, but Solomon, I forget which chapter it was, but Solomon in the Song of Solomon, he goes, he's going through this whole list of all these very just poetic descriptions of God. Anybody ever been in an English class and they and they discuss a poem and they start talking about it and you're you're sitting there like, how in the world did you come up with that out of that? So that's that's kind of what so I'm I'm reading that stuff. Solomon saying, I'm like, okay, all right, well that sounds really poetic, but whatever. And then you get. You get to the end of it. And after all these ways in which he tries to describe God, he summarizes it by one simple phrase. He then says, You are all together lovely. You are all together. I can search every part of you there is to search. I can dig to the depths of who you are and try to get to the heights of who you are. And when I've done as much as I can do to discover everything there is about you, everything I will have come across is lovely. I think I'm a pretty nice guy. I hope you think I'm a nice guy. But you know what? What you see here is not, that's not all there is to me. I, 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 I get upset. I, I do things I shouldn't do. I, I'm not altogether, I'm not altogether lovely. But the God of terrible majesty is all together lovely. Would you stand? Again, the terrible majesty, the terrible is not something to be scared of. It's not something that we are supposed to be hiding from because it's, we're so worried that all of a sudden He's going to crush us, destroy us. 
terrible majesty is you are just so completely, totally amazing. Beyond anything I could ever describe. And beyond anything I could ever comprehend. So my appreciation and my value of my relationship with you and my appreciation and my value of your willingness to wash away my sins and make me clean and let me be born again is so deepened when I see how great and how big you really are. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonder. Fall to me Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Oh, you're my God You're a really big God, but you're my God of God because it's also in that moment where he can reach down to you right where you are and meet your needs because he's such an awesome great God Oh, yes, Lord. 
Some have already responded, and I know what time it is and all that, but I, I just feel impressed to go one more step here. You, you, I, I, hope you got the, I, hope you, I hope you got the message. I hope you got part of what was trying to be communicated. The, the idea of getting a glimpse and an understanding of His terrible majesty, it's not about Him and His ego. You ever met somebody, or maybe you haven't personally, but you've heard about somebody, that, that that's their attitude, Brother Bond, do you know who I am? Do you know, I mean, do you know who I am? And usually when they say that, they're saying that just about them and their own ego and their own pride. It has nothing to do with you. But listen, somebody listen, please listen, please listen. His desire for you to have a glimpse of his terrible majesty is not just so he can strut around because he's God. His desire for you to know that and see that is so that you can recognize it and then embrace it. Because when you embrace it, He goes, all right. Now that you got a glimpse and a bit of an understanding of who I am, let me now show you. Let me show you by what I want to start to do for you and how I want to bless you and how I want to help you, how I want to heal you, how I want to forgive you. So I just, I want to give this invitation right now. As they begin to sing this song again in just a moment. If you're here today and your life's a mess or you're struggling spiritually or you've got needs. I want to invite you to come pause and tremble for a moment. Not just so you can leave and say, well, okay, I acknowledge who he, no, no, no. But the purpose of doing that is to open the door. To open the door, not just to know who He is, but then to open up for Him to begin to give back to you. So if you're here today, maybe it's your first time ever. Maybe you've never even been before and maybe a little bit uncomfortable for you. But I invite you right now to step out of your seat and make your way down to this front. And pause and recognize the terrible majesty of God. But in the process of recognizing that great majesty also realizing that that great God is wanting to reach down to you where you are right now because He is mindful. He's mindful of us. He's mindful of you. He's mindful of you today. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what mistakes you've made in your life. I don't care how bad of a person you think you've been. He's mindful of you today. He's mindful of us today. He's so big, He did the creation of the universe with a finger. But even as big as He is, He's mindful of us. He cares about us. He knows where we are. He knows what we're facing. He knows what we're going through.
don't you find somebody to pray with? The Bible says to pray one for another, to bear one another's burdens. Come on, why don't we spend a few minutes praying together? Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, if you don't have need of prayer, maybe there's somebody that can stand and have some support. Come on, let's pray together. If the Bible requests and acts. Come on, in the name of Jesus.
not praying with anyone, would you just lift your hands and worship him? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's the master of all things, creator of the universe, that is who we serve. All things are in his hands. There is nothing impossible for him. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy. where you are if you're praying continue to pray but if you're not praying for someone if you're not praying yourself won't you just lift your hands up to him if you will just close your eyes come on in Jesus name we're so in awe of you father not worthy we're undeserving we can't earn oh God what you desire to bestow upon us Jesus we can only open ourselves up to you to thank you to honor you we honor you father there's none like you there's none beside you lord your god alone love, your grace, your mercy. us, Father, to take a pause to remember how great you are.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Amen. free to linger if you want to I put the mic down if you have uh, pledges you want to drop in the envelope or at least the uh, pledge sheets or envelopes you can do that as well um, service is 6 p.m. tonight and um, we'll see you then I'm gonna put the mic down you're free to linger free to pray free to dismiss